Welcome to the Painted Target Podcast. All right, episode 27, Painted Target Podcast. I'm here with Nick. So today we're going to talk about the facts, the unknown, and the point of doing the inner work. So you can define inner work however you want. There's a lot of it going on online. They call it mastery, spirituality, um, self-help. I mean, I I don't like to say that word, but philosophy, whatever you want to call it. So... I was telling telling this to Nick before the one thing that I think is kind of missed when it comes to let's just call it all of these disciplines. So some sort of discipline, some sort of philosophy, whatever it is, that's designed to let's say do more than just make you feel better. It's designed to actually help you live a better life. So you have kind of like self-help, positive self-help, positive psychology, things that are more designed to kind of ease the pain. And then I feel you can have things like philosophy, spirituality, um, inner mastery. I don't like that word either because it's too popular now. But basically things that are designed to help you live daily, use daily instead of just feel better in the moment. So an example would be something like if you pick up and, you know, anybody who's done any reading knows this, Nick, you know this in this, especially in this community. If you pick up a book and it's a spiritual book, a lot of them will be kind of like, well, you know, learn to love more, learn to be nicer or accept the one, you know, all this kind of like, what will we call it? Kind of, it's semi esoteric, but it's actually just kind of just trying to help you out. It's saying, okay, you should be more loving. You should feel better. And then it's period, end of sentence on to the next page. And I don't think that the actual facts, you know, I'm doing quotes here, are explored enough. So if you have a certain level of awareness, which means nothing more than just being able to see situations and observe situations instead of being the situation, you know, as we talk about on here all the time, it's just a healthy form of detachment so you can respond instead of react. What you'll see is, there's certain facts in the situation that will actually help you in the situation and actually help you in your life. You know, you could say the facts are the truth. So if you want to break it down to the very bare bones, just daily living life, and I always use this example in the newsletter, it would be if you wake up in the morning, walk out to your car and your tires are flat. If you... If you are a person that's living in emotion, living in these situations, you don't know the facts, you don't see the truth, you're going to look at it and react. Why me? What the hell? What's this shit? What am I going to do? I'm going to be late for work. There's no fixing being done. You're just reacting. But if you step back and looked at it 
I wrote this in exact words, I think, in the last newsletter. Those tires aren't going to get unflat by you sitting there and being emotional. So the facts of that, the truth of that situation from an observational viewpoint would be the tires are flat and you have to fix them if you want to leave. That's a rock bottom fact. But if you look at a lot of what you read and, you know, like I said, self-help and even some spiritual stuff, it's no, look at the situation as loving or positive or the universe is trying to tell you that your tires suck. You know, something positive to just kind of revert your view. But I think that that's, I don't, I think that's a disservice because there are actually facts in that situation that are real, that are true, that will help you handle that situation. So go ahead, Nick, tell me what you think about that. <laughs> I, I'm still kind of chuckling about uh, some of your descriptions of reactions there. So where I would jump in on that is that another way to put what you're describing is you don't teach a fourth grader high school physics. You may say, if I drop a ball, it's going to fall at X rate, but they they don't know algebra. You're not going to start giving them an equation and explaining the equation to them, even if they're capable of it in large part, they're going to ignore you. They're, they're not ready for that yet. <clears throat> and I think to your point, a lot of the, I'll say the, the popular stuff, the, the, the pop literature that you're referring to, you know, isn't target, targeted to people who are terribly interested in going deep. You know, they're looking to just skim the surface. So if I suddenly start trying to tell them about uh you know, uh, relativistic effects, depending on how fast something may be falling in a frame of reference, they're just going to walk away. You're full of gibberish. See you later. <clears throat> but it, it has a catch 22, you know, because like you may explain grossly simplified physics to a fourth grader for them to move beyond that. At some point they need a deeper explanation. So it can be a first stepping stone, but if that's the only place you go, some people may help. Some people may cause more problems than it solved at some point down the road. Yeah, that's a good point because I could sit here and say these things about what it's doing and kind of, you know, the kind of popularity of it that's just trying to help you feel better but not really fix anything. But then again, it's a solid point. They're probably not writing those books. This is what you're saying for people that want to go farther than that. You know, so that's kind of the whole point of why they're writing that stuff. I mean, my whole thesis and everything I do is that in all situations, like even breaking it down to just daily life things, there are truths, there are facts, there are things that I guess whether you like it or not it's happening it did happen it will happen so where's your response it's kind of like a more you know unlatched stoicism where 
the Stoics are more or less like things are what they are. Shut the hell up about it. You know, I remember I read somewhere they called Stoicism <laughs> basically like Buddhism with teeth. And it's a solid point. But it's it's like when you hit a certain, let's just say, you know, point in your you know, journey of trying to actually fix the root causes of things instead of just trying to feel better. You see that just taking that second to step back and see those facts and see those truths, which it's not metaphysical necessarily. It's not woo-woo esoteric. It's so many people are stuck in reactivity through emotion like as Hawkins would say, reactivity through emotionality, that it almost is a superpower. It almost is esoteric or woo-woo just to be somebody that goes, oh shit, the tires are flat. Damn, okay. So do I have a spare tire? See, you just bypassed all the BS and went, oh damn, awareness, accepting it, Hey, shit, you know, I could be pissed all I want. The tire's still flat. Boom, now what do I want to do? So, like, that's not even very esoteric. Those are facts. And that's what is so interesting about this topic to me and why I wanted to do this one is drop the woo-woo, drop the metaphysical, drop the spiritual. These are facts. And you can see them with a detached awareness. You know, not to, uh, this strays a little bit, but it, I think it comes directly to the point. I think one place people struggle with that is that, you know, one way to frame what you're saying is have a fluid perception of the world. The world is what it hands me. Okay. The world handed me X, you know, four flat tires. Okay. I got four flat tires. Now let's move forward however I choose to. <clears throat> And that sounds easy, but, you know, most people, and you and I have both, you know, been there at various points in our lives. The vast majority of us all live by preconceived narratives, whether we get it from media or, you know, our local social circle or wherever you take your narrative from. And, you know, for most people, you know, think about it, it's reinforced on TV. How often is it like the big joke? Oh, you walk out, see a flat tire, and it becomes a big scene, right? You're yeah. essentially being yeah. conditioned that this is how you respond. <clears throat> and this is something you've heard me kind of harp on before a little bit, but pretty much everybody is conditioned to embrace fear, not let go of it. So to challenge your own narrative of the world to the level of being able to just let it go and ignore it and say, well... I thought it was going to be X, but now it's Y. I think for a lot of people, that triggers a fear response for them, even if they don't recognize it as such. And if you haven't already done the the work, the inner work, I mean, that that's a brick wall right there. Even if you don't realize it, it happens at a subconscious level. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something where... If you're doing it for that long, like you're saying in your life, you're reacting, you don't know anything else. So it's a fear response, like you said, and then it's also, you know, what else do I do? So it, it once again, these points that we make on here are very simple. 
you know, you made that point. It's a simple point. My point, simple point, which is we can use the kind of what it you know, spiritual awareness, all these kind of terms from the ancient text and what, you know, maybe you're religious, the Bible, whatever, but it all breaks down to, I can't remember the exact words you said in the beginning of it, but it is a fluid perspective. And I almost feel like you could break down every single text, every single doctrine. I mean, really, when you get in the weeds, like you read like the, what is it, the Corpus Hermetica or whatever, and, you know, like the Emerald Tablets, you know, you start like, you know, how far do you want to go? And these are, in a sense, kind of like historic documents. I mean, you know, they weren't made up in the 80s. Like these are, these things have been around and they're around for a reason. But the point is, if you look at a lot of them, even the kind of like, what is it, as above, so below, you know, these comments, it all ties back to essentially being fluid, but being fluid with an awareness in the sense of we're not trying to say, ah, 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 ignore like stiff arm. It's just like, oh, so tires are flat. That's a reality. That's a truth. If I freak out about it, I gain absolutely nothing. That's a fact. Uh, The tires will not get unflat. That's a fact. Um, So the only options I have are to do something about it so I can move on with my day. In other words, and people are going to hate this, the emotional response to a situation like that serves absolutely no purpose. And that's not about being emotionless. That's about acknowledging it and then doing something about it. I read a book once where no clue what the book was, but the guy was like this, you know, spiritual dude or whatever. And excuse me. And he, um, something happened, let's say his house burnt down and he reacted to it crying and screaming like a freaking two year old and then stopped. It was like, okay. What do we do now? It was like awareness, got it out, and then moved on. It's like they say in the Eastern teachings, like the choiceless choice. Eventually, it hits a point where none of that happens, and it's just boom. It all happens in two seconds. So the point I'm trying to make is there are facts to it, and I think that's a lot of what these books, even the Bible, have kind of pointed to for all these years is essentially a symbolic representation of Life is going to move and it's up to you. I think even Plato said that where he was like, what did he say? He said, I never forgot this. He said something about life is not form. Life is moved through form. So it's like you could take that any way you want. But philosophically, the way I take it is life is going to happen. And we're kind of like the actors on the stage. So the whole idea, and we are getting into the weeds a little bit, but that's the point, is the idea is kind of, so this is what we'll transition to. So the idea is, you see, you've obviously seen this in your reading, is they talk about wisdom. So I'm talking about facts and all these things, the truth. The idea is essentially, if you have the wisdom of how, let's say, life works, nature works, the world works, whatever, 
it should not affect you the same way it would a normal person. You know, I wrote this in the notes. I've said this on line before. When you know how the game is played, it can't really affect you the way it does. So when you really break down these texts and all these this reading, it's them essentially saying that once you achieve or once you realize, you know, with a capital R, enlightenment, whatever, that this is how it works. It doesn't mean it won't happen to you. It just means now you know. It's kind of like the jig is up. You know what I mean? Like that's the point of all of this. That's enlightenment. That's is, oh, I know this is how life works with the flat tires, with the whatever, with the this, with that. So that wisdom in itself allows you to be in a place that's, you know, quote unquote above it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, and as you, I'll circle back around just a little bit here, as you kind of touched on, I mean, you know, unless you're raised in a Buddhist monastery, you know, all of us have to essentially unlearn, you know, unfortunate behaviors we were taught from the beginning, you know, reactivity. And, you know, everybody has different ways, but you know, uh, honestly, one way I found this, even to this day, if something, you know, my I feel an initial reaction coming on that, you know, just really isn't useful. I just laugh at stuff. And, you know, I've had friends and family look at me and be like, how are you laughing at this? And my response is, well, why not laugh at it? <laughs> yeah, you know how the game is played. I mean, I, that's, you know. I, I have no control over this. And if I need to let out reactive energy as well be constructive and i'm just gonna laugh at this like the universe take this however you want but i just kind of had the little mental mantra of dude the universe has a hell of a sense of humor yeah. rock on let's you know if that's how we're playing it let's do it <laughs> yeah and it's interesting because that's an actual fact You know, that's not you just trying to be positive or what, you know, there are certain people that would hear that comment, put it in a book chapter and say, oh, yeah, you know, you just got to respond happily. It's like, no, no, no. Those are facts. If something happens, it's already happened. There's no unhappening it. You know, it's like in order to fix the past. I told somebody this the other day. I was like, you can't necessarily fix the past but you can fix the past by not repeating it that's that's it so in other words like it's a fact these are facts that these things happen they've already happened so what are you going to do now and it's like you know because i told you this like my dog got sick you know life stuff really still don't know how or what i have an expensive dog and it, you know, I don't know what this was a few weeks ago at this point. And it was a typical thing, like little symptoms taken and ended up being thousands of dollars. Like, you know, obviously not where I wanted to spend my money. Um, and I can remember driving home, you know, I'm human like anyone. And I was getting, I wrote, I think I wrote about this, but I was getting like bombarded by whatever you want to call it, that energy, just thoughts, you know, just like shit, man, you know, this is just not something I want to deal with now, especially monetarily or this or that. Cause it just, the bill just kept going. But I remember at one point 
it was like getting a slap in the face because if you open your saying, you know this, Nick, like if you open yourself up to an answer, you'll get an answer. That's not woo-woo. That's just slow the mind, see what comes in. And at one point, I just like turned the radio off in the car and I'm like, I just kind of sat there and it was just like a slap in the face. And it was like, well, it already happened. The money is spent. The only other option would bet would be to let the dog die, which we're not going to do. So that's it. And it was just boom, just like that. And obviously that takes a certain, as we've said, deconditioning. You've got to be in a certain place for that to happen. But the issue was dropped right there. I mean, that's it. And it wasn't that things aren't a pain in the ass. It's just the residual of, you know, BS that came with it was dropped right there because the facts were of that situation is she got sick. It already happened. The money was spent and that's it. So what do you do now? Well, you know, you also, you know, the big thing you did, which I know you realize this, but a lot of people may not is, by doing that, you effectively, this is at a subconscious level. So unless you are aware that this occurs, it, it's entirely invisible to the vast majority of people. But you just changed your own reality. Yeah, you it's know, alchemy. I, it's <laughs> not like you created some new dimension. But people don't realize that, you know, think about it. If you walk around pissed off every day that some politician is out to get you personally, yeah. you know, essentially by name. Yeah, personal. Then... Everything you do is going to be tinged by that. Yeah. Everything without you even realizing it. You know, you're going to wake up, they're coming for me today, you know, just all this and all that. Whereas once you can make that switch, you know, whether it's by laughing at a situation or just turning the radio off and sitting calmly and saying, yeah, well, here it is. I mean, you're actually resetting a subconscious process where, you know, the part of you most of us aren't aware of suddenly says, oh, okay, so that's my new set of rules that I process the world by my experiences by. So you literally just changed your own reality to not to, Oh my God, this is this giant, you know, pain in the butt and it's going to drive me insane to, yeah, dog got sick, had to drop a pile of money and okay. So what's for lunch tomorrow? Yeah. It, it's, it's an awesome point because that's what I call the inner alchemy, the mental alchemy. That's what these guys have been talking about is, and I think they actually say that in like the Kabbalion and these hermetic texts is you actually are changing, as you said, the fit your physical world because you're not playing the game of the mind of the, you know, whatever. And what's so interesting about these points i keep saying it that's the whole point of this podcast that's the whole point of everything i do is these things are very attainable at a somewhat basic level so i've had people message me and be like well people can't do that you know i i can't sit calm in the middle of dropping 10 g's on a dog like i i can't do it some people don't even have 10 g's it's impossible but it's actually not impossible it might take some time, it might take some doing, but it's not impossible. And it just takes an expanded, broad awareness, perception, whatever you want to call it, of just, oh, you know, 
there's a choice like the, the you know been writing this book it's almost done in the last chapter i wrote i just kept writing the word choice i'm like the whole point of any of this stuff is to just know you have a choice it's not about being more positive it's not about finding the positive in a situation it's about finding the parts that actually work for you so if you're in the truck and the dog's sick, everything's to shit, does it work for you? Does it help you to sit on that? No, it does not. That's a fact. Does it help you to pull back and say, okay, the money spent, that's over. There's no taking it back. What can I do to prevent this? That helps you. That is also a fact and that helps you. But you have to know you have that choice But it's not, Nick, you know, it's not, this is not an impossible esoteric metaphysical thing, though. Like, it's very doable, you know? Yeah, no, you know, I like martial arts um, analogy, so I'll use another one of those. In many different martial arts, when you, especially, you know, you're talking a more junior person, a white belt, you know, somebody who's fairly, you know, new to the art. When you're teaching them a new move, a lot of times you don't actually teach them the full functional version. It's too complex. Yeah, it's more you're going to delay them. It's going to confuse them more than it's going to help them for the most part. So you teach them the core of it that gets them down the path. I think you're talking about the same thing here. You know, if it you know it can be whatever you choose it to be, but you know realize that you have to train yourself. So you know. You've already trained yourself to have a reactive emotional response. So now you have to train yourself into a new habit. It can be whatever you want. You can choose that whenever you feel that reactivity coming up, laugh at it out loud. Just be, just a chuckle like, <laughs> okay, well, all right, let, let's, you know, take that and see what we can do with it. Um, it can be whatever you want. I mean, you can say, well, screw you to universe. Now let's move on and deal with that. Whatever you want. But, you know, Choose something, make that conscious decision and train yourself to it. And before too long, you'll notice that you don't even use, I'd call that a crutch. You don't even use that crutch or that baby step anymore. It's just, you have already, you know, you've picked up that new behavior. Same thing with the martial arts thing. You'll see somebody as they really begin to internalize that new movement they've learned, they will actually start to develop themselves. Yeah. And the other important word that you said there is the word conscious it's a conscious decision which that's kind of you know that's another point to all of this is i've said this to you before i've i've said this a few times in our circles where my personal definition of what everybody's searching for whether they know it or not they're searching for it in some form you know enlightenment um let's just say maybe contentment Uh, happiness, whatever word you want to use, my version of enlightenment, my version of being content is being able to make conscious choice. So it's not, it's not um, some, you know, I always say this, it's, it's not some magical thing. It's just knowing that, oh shit, okay, I do have a choice here. I do have a conscious choice here. And you make it. So it's like you said, you could flick the world off. You could do whatever you want. There's no problem with that. 
It's are you making a choice that's based off of like something like Osho said in one of his books. He said, are you are you using direct thought or like reactive? You know, are you using a thought that 7000 people have done? Oh, fuck. Like this pisses me off. Or are you back in this, you know, in the center going, oh, okay, All right. Well, thanks. What's for lunch? Like you said, you know, it's a conscious choice. And I really think that, you know, I just I just said it, but I think enlightenment, I think all this stuff is really being in a position where everything you do is known. And there's many times, you know, during the week, I did this earlier today where my mind or, you know, the mind is spinning, just normal human shit, got to do this, got to do that, got to do that. And I, and I actually will sit there and it's like, the only way I can explain it is like if you got something in your eye, there's just this kind of like stop and you're like, oh, uh, this is bullshit. Like I, you're watching yourself essentially just spin and you're like, oh, this is ridiculous. And then it just stops. I mean, it, that's I've you know, I still deal with what people deal with, but it's being in a position where there's a conscious awareness or choice of it. And like I said, I think that's what all of these things are pointing to all these books, all these texts, all this just symbolic kind of poetry, you know, that's what they're pointing to. Look at alchemy, you know, you know, it's got many definitions, but when you look at like the artwork of alchemy and transmutation and all this it's basically someone trying to find that perfect formula they say you know base metals into gold well they're talking about the mind or not necessarily the mind specifically but they're talking about the inner work take the garbage that you've accumulated over the years and turn it into gold but the only way to do that is by knowing you have a choice to turn it into gold you know Right. Uh, you know, I, I think another way you could put that that might be a little more approachable is, you know, you had a storm. So now you have branches and twigs and sticks all over your lawn. You know, that that's your mind just spinning, you know, chaos, right? You want to turn that to gold? Well, do the work, collect those sticks into a pile, make a fire, and you can cook lunch, boil water, heat the house, whatever. You just yep. turn that chaos into gold. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's an analogy and you can poke holes in it, but it gets the idea across in a fairly, you know, approachable manner. Yeah. It's, you know, it ties into this topic too, that I wanted to talk about a little bit is, you know, the unknown. So we have a, we have a fear of the unknown. There's no, you know, that that's basically the, what the thesis of all fear um, anxiety and all that depression, I guess is the past anxieties, the fear of the unknown, the future. And that's what this stuff is, is we're living in this space of fear due to the unknown, but I've kind of written this a few times. That's why I wanted to talk about it is I feel like when you look at life, when you look at situations Nothing good ever happens or ever comes from what we'll say is always known. It comes from the unknown. It comes from sitting there. I heard a guy talking about this the other day. Um, It was either an audio book or a podcast and he made a solid point. He was like, you know, 
how come when we're in situations that are extremely difficult, we have these breakthroughs? It's because it's unknown. We give up. We drop the reins and we're like, shit, I've got nothing more. And then boom, it hits, right? So on one level, it's like that's where everything happens. On the other level, having the wisdom of that, the knowledge of that, the awareness of that, we should be able to do that anywhere in theory. So, yeah, we have to deprogram and all that, but it's an interesting topic because we're unable to see the facts that we're talking about because of fear, because of programming, right? That fear and that programming, a lot of it stems from the unknown fear. And yet in the midst of that, that's where everything is done and like this guy was talking about and I know about this from climbing he was rock climbing he was leading got to a point didn't know what to do for anybody that climbs or has climbed he set the protection too long so he ran out his protection so to speak meaning he put a piece in and went too long before he put the next piece in so now if he's 20 feet from his protection it's times two that he's going to fall so he should be protected, but I'll, I I could tell you falling like that is uh, that'll enlighten you up real quick. It's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> and he was explaining how he was up there, didn't know what to do, fatiguing. You know, they call it the sewing machine because your leg starts going like a sewing machine. You know, everything is just fatiguing. There, it climbing it uses a whole different set of muscles. I don't care how much you're in the gym. And he said that right at the last second, like two seconds, he was done. He made this move that was just like walking on air, up, two hand moves, boop, up, pass, place, protection, done, 10 seconds. And his point was he had to sit in that unknown. He had to sit in that pain, in that fear He sat in it so much instead of running from it that it dropped away because you're either going to fall or you're going to fix it. And he fixed it. So it's just something I wanted to talk about here because this is where the change happens. But and this is where the facts come out and all these things. But it's covered up because of fear, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean. It's the classic idea. It, you see it all over the place. Is that you know you see it in religious texts, you see it in philosophical texts, you see it in you know pop literature, <clears throat> and that is that yeah people don't progress until they hit rock bottom. Yep, and that can take many forms. I mean, if you're training martial arts, you know you'll hit a plateau, as you well know. You know, same thing with climbing and at some point you just have to grind until you almost give up. Like, yeah, fine. I'm just going to get my butt kicked every, every class now. Then fine. I accept that. I'm just going to keep showing up and getting my butt kicked. And suddenly, Oh yeah. It's like, you know, suddenly you have all this new technique that seems to have come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you let go. Yep. Same thing with climbing, you know, same thing. People's personal lives you hear the same thing that, somebody was in a horrible situation and people had been trying to help them for years and nothing worked. And, you know, that's actually a common alcoholic story. You know, I was alcoholic for 20 years. People tried to help me. I I blew up my family. And then, you know, 
the day I was walking into the train tracks to step in front of the train and was too drunk and the train missed me, like it all clicked. Like I hit bottom and like, holy cow, I, you know, I saw the big picture. Yep. And now I'm doing seminars telling you, you don't have to go down that path. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And that was, that was what I was trying to say is w- us having the wisdom and the knowledge of this stuff is enough to not do it. So I bust on people, you know, the seminars and all this stuff, because I think a lot of it's, you know, BS. I think it's games. I think it's playtime. But that's why a lot of people want to do that. And you could say that's even why I started doing this online stuff is I'm giving you the keys to the castle. So some of you will not have to go through it. And it's not even like, a, you know, something you're doing is like some world service, which I guess you are in some ways. But it's, you know, like I said, I keep saying the word. These are facts. You know, it, it's it's. We all know that the change takes place in that fire. That's what they say in the alchemy too. The fire, the unknown. You got to heat it up for something to change just like metals. So with all this knowledge and wisdom and technology and all this stuff we have nowadays, it's like, man, you could you could listen to this podcast and not repeat these things. You could you know, read a book. I mean, I keep thinking of Alan Watts, you know, that guy spent his whole life doing that stuff, you know, very philosophical, intellectual. Um, and you know, his books read like science books, but they were in a sense, very metaphysical, very philosophical, but you could read that and go, Oh, okay. And not repeat things. So I just think it's an interesting topic because, that's where everything happens is in the unknown, in the fear. But that's also what blocks all the stuff we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast, you know? Yeah, I guess one thing I would add is that, I mean, this does go slightly counter to some of the stuff you were just saying, and just from personal experience. You know, I'll use kind of the, the silly, you know, drunk trying to throw himself in front of a train example you know, somebody gives him the right knowledge, you know, he doesn't have to go try to jump in front of the train. But I think, you know, this hypothetical person or anybody, any of us, anybody, you know, kind of like alchemy suggests, you still need the fire, you still need the flame, you know. So I think the key to that is that whether you're listening to this podcast or listening or reading Alan Watts or anybody else, I think the one of the key takeaways is that you now have the knowledge to choose to put yourself into the fire instead of waiting for events to force you there. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. much more productive to for, to willingly walk into the fire, whether it's, you know, you know, here's actually a good example. You know, maybe you have self-esteem issues. You're not comfortable with yourself or whatever. You know what? Go start doing a full contact martial arts. I'll tell I've spoken with a couple people who actually did this and I told them up front, I said, be prepared that for six months to a year, you're going to hate it, but you have to show up every day. And what's going to happen is one day, whether it's six months or a year in, you're going to say, I fucking love this. Yeah. But until you, you know, basically jump in the fire, you know, yeah. burn off the chaos by walking through, willingly walking through that fire. Otherwise, who knows? Maybe, you know, you're going to, 
take another 10 years of drag and bottom until some event happens that, you know, is the fire for you. Yeah. Or you can say, well, I want this change. So, and, you know, throwing yourself to the fire doesn't have to be some extreme thing. It can be giving up a cherished idea. You can, I think my view of the world is 100% right. And I have argued with people for years over it. And I've almost always proven myself right. Well, hold on. Let me consider giving that idea up. You know, that's, that's throwing yourself to the fire to a point, you know, it's ideas have, you know, real impact, real value on you, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. The power lies in, I don't want to say not caring because that's kind of like a, like a, just a basic way to put it. But when you were talking about like, you know, getting your ass kicked and stuff. I can remember from training just getting whooped like many, many times to the point of, I mean, you really got to set your ego to the side and you go into it usually, especially like the initial training. And it's like, it, you know, you think you're going to do better than you're going to do, but they design it to where there's no damn way. Like they, it, you could be the biggest ninja on the planet you're getting your ass whooped and it's designed like that on purpose. That's the whole point. But I can remember many times and there was times where I had problem with problems with certain training. Um, what do we call them? You know, tests or assessments. And it was funny because even though at that point I wasn't into any of this shit, every time I would sit on that bed, I remember like in hotels, we were out doing training and I would be like, all right, that's it. You know, the full let go, the fire that just burn it off. Yep. Okay. Done. Guess what happened the next day? Went from an F to an A, you know, so it's, it is interesting because that's, and obviously fighting is the most real aspect of that because it's just, especially as a man, you know, ego done ass whooped yup i mean it's like every <laughs> single thing that you know could the happen Matt doesn't lie yeah i mean it's it's right there i mean look at this is this is kind of off topic but ufc 239 that happened this weekend i don't know if i sent you that link the guy that got knee kicked in the head yep. and knocked out in three freaking seconds and obviously they trash talk that's point of it it's not philosophical but the guy who need him was like, look, this dude has been talking shit, which he had, you know, for weeks and months and just kind of, you know, the guy who got need, he, he was legitimately pretty arrogant. Um, like, I don't even think he was doing it as a game. I think he's just he's humble in a lot of ways, but he's kind of arrogant leading up to the fights. And the guy was basically like, well, I planned for this. So two seconds in you know, arms behind his back, flying knee, fastest knockout in UFC history, done and fucking done. The guy who got knocked out doesn't remember one second of it. And it's an example of he got put in that fire and you better believe that the talking's probably going to be a little different next time. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, that the guy was 19 and 0 who got knocked out. So now he's 19 and 1 and you know, that's a very human basic version of that fire. You know, that's where it happens. It's sad that it has to always happen like that because you can learn from others. 
you know, like we said, and it doesn't have to go like that, but the fire is where it happens, you know? Right. And I, you know, I think the, both the imagery and the term going into the fire is so common because at its core, what you already said, what it really is, what it really is, is just letting go of whatever perception you're trying to force on the situation. And realistically, most of us cannot, you know, even you or I or people beyond you or I, you know, if as long as you're a human, that's always going to be a challenge. And for many people, you know, we all have some weak spot that we tend to just really hold on to something, you know, whether it's, you know, training fighting or a political opinion or whatever it may be. <clears throat> and just by our natures, you know, until we bring enough chaos on ourselves where we essentially prove ourselves wrong to ourselves, we're not going to let ourselves, you know, let go and accept what is before our eyes. Yeah, that fire is the ultimate proof. That's kind of what, you know, keeps popping up in my head. I mean, it's it's like I said, it's sad that it has to go to that point to kind of see these facts and see these things, but you know, that's the point of doing this. That's the point of the reading. That's the point of the writing is maybe you need the fire to burn off that fat in order to see the facts. So, you know, I'd add another aspect to it is that, you know, having an understanding of the dynamics that we're talking about before ending up in the fire can allow you to take so much more away from it. Instead of taking away only what the moment itself has absolutely forced on you, once you kind of realize you're you're in the fire in the moment, whether it's getting your ass beaten on the mat or, you know, your girlfriend just left you, you walked out to four, uh, you know, flat tires, you, you know, your dog's sick and you're like, okay, point taken. I need to let go of some stuff right now and look, just look at what's here. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, you can, you know, you can just control your reaction and not react and say, okay, let's get the dog to the vet. Let's, uh, let's get the tires fixed. And well, at least I don't have to worry about dinner tonight because girlfriend's not coming home. So that's simpler. Um, so, you know, you have the two choices, the, the simple reaction, or if you have some foreknowledge, okay, yep. Going to do that. But now I'm just going to kind of open myself for a moment to everything because clearly there are either some lessons here where I need to shift. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, that's the whole other argument is things are happening because of lessons. And I, that's a very woo woo topic. Oh, you know, like I, people say that to me all the time and it's true. You know, you you forget who's in charge. They say to you when you get amped up, like, you know, the universe the whatever, but it's actually, as me and you talked about the other day, we won't get into it here, but it is, you're, you're, I'm trying to think out a word this right, but you're you're getting hit in the weak places of your armor because you need to. So we'll we'll end it on that. We'll talk about maybe we'll talk about that in the next one because that that's a whole hour into itself. But um, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. This episode of the Painted Target podcast was brought to you by Awareness Integrations. Only you care about your problems. The Painted Target is also sponsored by Grave Delay Athletics, apparel that says I'm going to live well and cheat death.